Hi, this is Thomas DePolo. This is Max. This is Kevin Ham. Hey, this is Jake Cook. Hi, this is William Roy. You're listening to The Green Box. On this episode of The Green Box, we get lost amidst the twists and turns of The Labyrinth, the new Delta Green sourcebook by John Scott Tynes. Guys, did you hear that this book called The Labyrinth was released, and it's by John Tynes, the guy who wrote most of the best source book for the old Delta Green, and he wrote this new source book for the new Delta Green. Didn't he technically invent Delta Green? Like, Tynes was the original writer of, like, Convergence and all the other stuff back at the old uh, Pagan frat house. That wasn't Delta Green, though. That was, like, Cyberpunk 2020 or some shit. No, 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 no. Convergence was for... Call of Cthulhu, but then the sequel was for uh, Cyberpunk. Or... Wait, what? Yeah, no, seriously, the sequel to Convergence is like what would happen if everyone was infected with the uh, the Miko uh, substance, and like the rest of the world's technology developed around that. Huh. Yeah, maybe we can put a link in the uh, description or something. I mean, he's listed as a co-creator, so it wasn't. A, I think it was him and Glancy. Things I did not know. But anyways, he's back at it. Um, I think that a lot of the other devs said that when uh, Tynes realized that you could make money as an RPG again, he uh, he came back um, to write the labyrinth. I mean, you guys say that, but when I talked to the to the devs at that interview, it sounded like they were saying the exact opposite, that Tynes wrote Labyrinth and was shocked that he was paid. Yeah, I do recall that, yeah. Well, depending on which version of the story you go from there, I, you know, um, he wrote it. He's back in the Delta Green business, or at least he was for this book, because now he's writing for like uh, Dungeons and Dragons again. Not maybe not writing, maybe doing something else, some sort of producing. But that's a fucking loss to the industry. That's uh, that's why there's a forward by uh, Kevin's favorite person in the labyrinth here. But but here, here here's the fun part. The intro is about the insidious cancer destroying the fabric of our society, and it's so fitting that someone who works for Wizards of the Coast would write that. In in the forward, Mike Merles is uh, kind of lays it out like what the labyrinth is, and I guess we should do that for the listeners in case they've been under a rock for the past year or so. Uh, the labyrinth is a more open ended approach to creating resources to be used in RPGs. Uh, compared to like a scenario where you follow from point A to point B to point C, it's just a bunch of tools for handlers and GMs to put in their toolbox to move, like uh, create their own custom investigations and kind of make stuff up that fits like what their group is doing. How do you guys feel about the style of the labyrinth where it just presents like likely courses of things to happen instead of telling you exactly what's going to happen? I kind of dig it. It has influenced um, the way that I write scenarios, but I don't love every group in this book because I don't think they all successfully execute on the promise. Yeah, I, I get but the ones that do too. are quite good. Yeah, some some of them are definitely more evocative than others. Uh, we could we could talk about that. I guess maybe let's, we'll go through them go, like um, one at a time. Else has, has any introductory content? Then yeah, I would I would highly recommend that we do that. Just the uh, the the introduction chapter is where where Tynes talks about like the cork board and stuff. And there's a little, little correct me if I'm wrong because I'm working from the pre layout version. But um, there's a little diagram of uh, the the connections between all the groups. And that's, that's yeah. The, cool. So the the groups have each have a descriptive text that says how to connect them to the other ones as well. There's yeah. also a cool box about other published Delta Green scenarios where you can incorporate elements from the labyrinth into it. Well, that's yeah, kind of trash because I don't run published scenarios. 
Well, I almost exclusively run published scenarios, so that's getting framed. Nice. Yeah, it's a pretty neat thing. Some of them are a little like the one for night visions. I really like, um, but the one for like observer effect feels kind of lazy. That feels kind of weak. Yeah, it, it, but yeah, you, uh, you can't make observer one. So for the night, one for observer effect, sorry, go ahead. For night visions, the one is that the uh, and spoilers for minor spoilers for night visions and observer effect. Um, for night visions, the drone operator who watched everything go down ends up becoming part of one of the groups, uh, and that is pretty neat, pretty cool. Uh, whereas an observer effect, it just says that the like, SV8 would be interested in the events of the hollow beam or uh, the events of the hollow beam array, but I mean, SV8 would be would be interested in events of all of these scenarios. So yeah, some some are more specific than others. Like others are more broad, but. Uh, that that's kind of in tune with like the way I feel about the rest of the book. Some of it is definitely like more fine tuned than other parts. So shall we just get right into it? Yeah, then? yeah. So let's let's, let's let's jump in. Yeah. I, I uh, one first thing, one. But oh, go ahead. Um, one of the things I've uh, disliked in general about some of the Delta Green stuff is I get annoyed when when they tell me about a really cool thing that happened, but don't give me any details this book has so, a lot of that so it does but it's it's also a step in, in the direction of at least explaining some of these things so if these things get referenced somewhere else i'm, I'm not yet again i have some i have some to, like, i have some very on. specific gripes about that that i'll bring up when the time comes but the time hasn't yeah. come yet and neither have i so let's get started hey, hey uh so the first group is the center for missing center for the missing child which is uh, like a reskinning of an it's, existing. It's about a guy who hates lawnmowers, I think. I, I don't get it. Can uh, you explain yes. it? That's the, the, like every every chapter has like a little flavor text, and this flavor oh, text. Oh, oh, yeah, there it is. Sometimes he yeah. sees them mowing their lawns. The singers tighten on the wheel. So it's just a it's a funny misreading of that that we could all laugh about. We should probably like obviously there's going to be a bunch of spoiler content in this. Like uh, maybe that's we every episode get, of our show. Uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> that our show just comes with a, a vagrant, a flagrant uh, spoiler warning attached to it. It comes with a vagrant spoiler warning. Yeah, a homeless yeah. man will tell you the secrets of the universe, and that homeless man is me. And, yeah, that's uh, what I've been searching for. And so. Uh, Center for Missing Child is a nonprofit that investigates child abuse, missing child, etc. Um, Jake, you said that there's a real world connection. Yeah, it's the uh, like the. Uh, hold on, I'm gonna have to Google it. It's based on a real organization that does much of the same function as this fictional one does. So the the format for many of these organizations, and especially for the allied organizations, is that they present you with what the organization does, they present you with an NPC, and then they present you with a progression. Yeah, maybe one or two uh, NPCs. Anyways, the one I was thinking of is the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. That's the real nonprofit that I think this one's based off of. Makes sense. Uh so this organization, basically, they have the, the description given is that they have absolutely no formal power whatsoever, but have very strong relationships with all law enforcement. So it's like Delta Green. Um, I was going to say they don't show up to your house and shoot you, except that wait till we talk about the NPC that they gave for this one. <laughs> so all, all of the allied organizations in this, in this book, to spoil it, um, they all present something that is supposed to be useful to the agents and will entice them to cooperate and trust them and then comes an inevitable betrayal but the problem that i have with all these organizations to a greater or lesser degree is that i don't think the help on offer is convincing enough to get the agents to buy in and be betrayed i think that they will be suspicious from the start for most of these and to explain why we can go into the specific case for this one agents who are read the standing orders are going to see any kind of outside non-Delta Green people as like, well, 
we can't bring them in. So we can like use them and abuse them, but then you're not really like working with our allies. They're just like an asset you're you're using a little bit. Kevin is correct. A place where you're gonna. Yeah, have- so like they they uh, the way that the it's described here in the book that they'll be kind of wedging themselves in once they figure out like what is going on with the with the whole Delta Green angle. And that's what this uh, this NPC and this one is. What's his name? Um, Dewant. Right, Dewant. Um, he's like a retired detective. He was very interested in the Atlanta child murders, which happened like uh, the beginning of uh, the 1980s, which are a very real, very tragic, uh, unresolved to this day case. And the book references those a lot. But um you know he is one of my favorite types of characters he's like an old man um in a profession where men might die young Um, his plot is that he is obsessed with a group of uh what he believes with reasonable evidence to be white supremacist police officers who he thinks committed the murders and used their position as police officers to cover it up right and uh that is an actual conspiracy that people think might have happened because it was like 27 kids were killed 27 they were all black kids were killed in atlanta uh from 1979 to 1981 and they all got pinned on uh i think his name is wayne williams uh despite the fact that he was tried and convicted for the murder of two adults and the 27 children's deaths were never like Put on they never nobody ever got charged for those they just kind of like went unresolved so a lot of people think that like wayne williams was like a, a patsy that some of the police officers arrested and they pinned all these on him and it, people bought it and then like they realized that the heat and the pressure was too much so whoever the real killer was stopped so the 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 man here is obsessed with this with this crime and he thinks he knows who did it and this will come back later when he insinuates himself in the delta greens adventures there's a line in here about Dewan where he kind of like when he first meets the agents, he tries to be a helpful, you know, helpful professional. But if they freeze him out, then he starts asking around like behind their back. And I feel like that would cause almost any agent I've ever played with to just either kill this man, black side him or do something else horrible. Well, then they should feel bad and you should use the rules for all the consequences that the game provides. What do you mean consequences? Consequences for police killing a black man? Try zero. Well, and I mean... If Delta Green, if, if if agents were like, hey, this guy's asking about us and, you know, being a problem, it's, it's Delta Green's best interest to eliminate that problem. Just, just cut away. Just, like, don't interact with him anymore. Move, like, your operation somewhere else. Maybe not eliminate, though. I mean, I have players who would respond to an NPC doing that uh, if he seemed competent by trying to recruit him. I mean, ostensibly, that is how many player agents, in fact, were themselves recruited the book assumes that we have players like will's players but i assume we have players like kevin's players because i i personally don't think that if i was playing delta green i would trust an npc who appeared out of nowhere and tried to help me the the book has it from like will's angle where someone uh would recruit uh dewant and then like in the later stages he goes off the deep end and believe he starts seeing like a mythos shadow behind every evil insidious thing he's ever encountered, uh, encountered over his long investigations career. And he starts assassinating the police officers. Yeah, he starts. And that, that's where the, the quote about hating the lawnmowers Kevin referenced earlier comes from, because he rides by these, uh, four, uh, retired Atlanta police officers that he suspects killed all the kids back in the eighties. 
they see them mowing their lawns like uh, 74 year old boomers. You think that this plot would work, Will? I think it might, yeah. Okay. I'm more on the suspicious and don't allow the NPCs a foot in the door side, but I don't have a real group to run for. So It's a tool in your toolbox, and if it works for your group, then it could be useful. And I would be wary. I would be wary of setting up a whole thing behind this curtain because your agents may just shut the curtain and walk away, and then you don't really have anything else. I, I think you could interject and make him more useful, and that makes it to where he doesn't. Um, he, he's less of a target for you know trigger happy players because a he's useful, b he's a genuinely good person, and they should feel bad for trying to violence him. Jake, that is the single biggest fix for all of the ally groups in this book. Make them more useful. Make them more helpful. Yeah, and I think players. I, I think it's doesn't or it's somewhat disingenuous to say for us to say here's a good source book. If you want to make it better, just make it better. So that we just have we have to run it as written, and I just I just don't I mean. No, fuck I'm, that. I'll run it however I want. If I had no, no run, running it as written it. says you know lots of stuff. Like there's so many options that are presented to you because that. It, there's a thing in there about what happens if agents kill him, and then there's a thing about what happens if agents find him useful. Kevin, I am picking up on what you're saying, though, which is that you're saying you don't want to have to go write your own source book. You want this one to be good as is. What I was hoping for from this book, and I think I think I think it only got part way, which is where I kind of disappointed, is something I could pick up and drop in like set piece style into almost anything. Whereas there isn't enough. There's there's only enough there to give you the start. You still have to do a lot of work to shoehorn it kind of into where you're going. And if I'm going to do all that work, I may as well do my, my own thing. I'm going to be I'm, I'm pretty critical, but we're going to get to groups that I do like better. Yeah. Is there any other thoughts on Missing Child Center? I would have liked more mythos-related missing child cases as as seeds for these guys. That's going to be a common theme for the allied groups. I don't recall, and I, I'm scrolling through, and I can't seem to find it, but. Um, is the missing child center? I would have liked to have seen, and if it's in there, please correct me, and I'll, I'll eat some crow. But there's a lot of double green operations that involve children or missing persons. Um, so I would have liked to have seen this group be not necessarily a, not a friendly, but an asset that double green could like. Hey, why don't you see if these guys have any leads on this? And that's how you could have got introduced to the detective, who then would be a helpful have a last like i'm thinking about so for delta um, green to suggest it then yeah i'm thinking about uh, the missing kid in the woods Fol- fulminate yeah the one that yeah, uh, like if, if these were the ones who it's definitely the- there you could you could certainly shoehorn that pretty pretty easily okay i just control f for fulminate and twilight in the pdf and neither of them came up but because yeah, for, for like connections to scenarios that's the most obvious one yeah because that's the one where the kid went missing in the 80s which would have been you know about the time uh old dude was yeah, working so, for atlanta and then he came back in the modern day uh that's that's super weird and also definitely falls in line with the missing children thing how many times have agents in a game been stuck and like needed a hint so if i could reach out to this group for a hint call your case officer and he says all right i'll try to uh, you know, try, try to see if these guys have anything there. You know, they're they're pretty reasonable. They're not Delta Green related, but they keep tracking missing kids. See if they have anything on it. Maybe it'll give you a, you know, and then maybe after a few calls to these guys, this, this DeWant guy starts to check you out. Who are these guys who are calling? That would make a much better connection. So, hey, that's we, are, good we that's already good fixed this one. That's good. And all the groups should have that. All the groups should have this. Here's how this group can be helpful if your agents are stuck. That's awesome. That's yeah. good. So I think we've beaten this. We've beaten this horse to death. Right. Um let me see. I'm we'll just looking over it one more time. Horse to death. Next on our plate is the Dream Syndicate. Dream Syndicate is a group of people on the internet who have created a forum where they can talk about all having the same dream. 
in the dream is uh, that Malaysian Airlines flight. With like the, the, there's a the couple of them that I missed. It's like the primary one, yeah. There are several dreams. One is of Yithians. One is of um, a cockroach pile. One oh, is uh, of, Rasputin and one the is Romanovs. Of Rasputin's big old dick. And yeah. they all have the same dream. And they are an internet forum. And to be honest, I'm not sure why this group is listed as an ally because I can't think of any reason why Delta Green would ever care about these people. So if Delta Green knew these guys were legit, but just didn't want, you know, didn't want to deal with them right now, but knew that they could be like directed to something like, okay, you're having a problem. If you go in there and talk about a dream you've had and then they start dreaming it, all of a sudden you can maybe get a clue. That's really cool because these could be, it could be dangerous. If you start seeding too much in there, you could cause a problem. So you have to kind of keep them at arm's length as it stands. The only thing, only way I could see using these is like a they dream something that sets up your scenario, and you pick it up on you know your 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 prism intercept picks it up on the on the web, and you get some printouts of these forum posts. But like, there's no all I really do is it would be like give you a way for agents to go into something. I don't really see a callback to the group very well. Right. The 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 connections or like the scenario suggestions for incorporating this group in is like have your an an agent has a dream that the forum is talking about. Or it loosely connects it to um, reverberations, uh, the scenario. And then like genetic agricultural products, which is like a much older, I think that was in like uh, Countdown. So that, that's Countdown, yeah. So that that's like probably the worst thing that you could do, which is to say, you know, it's it's one of the things I object to, I object to about reverberations that it referenced a bunch of content that it was it's supposed to be an introductory scenario, but it references a shit ton of content that's not in the scenario. But and I think it, it also that, says create a new core scenario is another suggestion. So uh, it puts a lot more. This this group puts a lot more work on handlers than other groups. The one really strong use for this group is: Have you guys ever written a Delta Green scenario and then at the end of it thought, okay, how how do they hear about this? Yeah, definitely. Yes. So this is how this. Everyone has a dream of this location, and the players have to go there, and the adventure begins. It, it's a dream about a thing that hasn't happened yet, but they can tell like it's going to happen soon based on like a thing they see in the dream, like uh, something on TV that's happening, or you know, like one of those like weird. Uh, but what's that? What's that? There's a Nick Cage film uh, where there's the like happening. A, no, 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 no. The happening is one where like plants are trying to kill everybody. Uh, knowing, knowing. It's the one where there's like a sequence of numbers that. Um, predicts like big bad events that are going to happen and like they get sipped off because like september 11th is in the list and there's a bunch of like bad apocalyptic stuff the dream syndicate could definitely be like that as a, a predictor for a future event that hasn't happened yet but it's going to be pretty bad well i think max has hit on something larger which is that really the dream syndicate could be used to lead into almost any scenario well that's the first thing they suggest is create a new scenario your own based on an adventure and have them dream that. So that is their first suggestion. I think that the problem I have with this group is that I'm getting very strong who gives a shit vibe from the subplot about the characters. But so so the, the subplot here is that there's an admin who runs the website, and then there's a dude who's cyber-stalking her. But like neither of them really have any relevance towards any other plot. <clears throat> Reason why I would care about them as a Delta Green agent. I mean, you got, what is it, 10, 10 total groups in here? So they're not all going to be... You know, knocked out of the park. No, I yeah, do... I think this group, this group is a cool concept, and I think that it would make some great short fiction. I don't think it works that well, except as a convenience to get someone to a more interesting story. Well, I could see the agents over overusing these guys and then turning them into a, a problem they have to solve, like realizing that they can just get these guys to dream and help them solve all their scenarios, and then after the fourth time, realizing that they've created a monster that knows too much and they have to go. They have to like Jay and Silent Bob their way to everybody's house and silence them. 
That would be interesting. Uh, it seems like just another old firearms mission. The, the kid can uh, SWAT agents. Or there's others in here. It's like the handler can assume that Vega, which is the kid's name, has compromised the agent's computer or phone unless unless the agent specifies otherwise. That annoys me. If my character has 80 computer science, they're not fucking getting compromised. I don't have to describe every action that I take to to do computer security if I have a character who's good at that that's bullshit it, it suggests that the kid is good at that sort of thing and also that he's very smart but you have to have a pretty high int score to understand Delta Green uh, mechanics are incredibly subtle and most of the projection rules will go right over the typical player's head um, but what, what I was getting at there is he only has 50% in computer science which is like master's level uh, which is significant I guess given that he's only 17 that's like the base score for a scientist in right. this game right. um, but it, it, Jake you're hitting on another problem that we've had with this book and we, we should have mentioned it for the previous one the previous group but we forgot which is that a lot of the statistics in this book make no sense so, um, for example, the center for missing child guy has like forty percent base firearms, but his chance to hit with his nineteen eleven is like seventy. Well, it's seventy-two, which makes seventy-three. Yeah, yeah. Which makes you think it's a, a frankly a lazy holdover from Call of Cthulhu, which kind of annoys me because annoys I mean, me a lot. I, did, I didn't pay for a Call of Cthulhu Kickstarter. If I, I wanted to read about Call of Cthulhu, I'd read Unspeakable Oath. Oof. And I, I think yeah. they copied and pasted some of the stats. Well, uh, that's but, fine, but like that's why you have someone who edits it for content and like one, one of the other uh, all the joe dewan he's a retired detective 74 but presumably he has a storied career right but all of his uh skill like base values here are at uh quantities of 10 which suggests that like that's, he's every, never, that's he's, every nbc in the book yeah. he's never failed at anything in his life ever yeah, so I I I like him as he's to have skills that are a little weathered because it makes them interesting. But yeah, that's good. The fact that the attack number is different it just tells me it's not that. Like you, you can get to seventy three firearms with the rules of Delta Green with the firearm skill, but you can't get to a to hit a seventy three using any Delta Green role I know of. And so, all, all the NPCs in uh, the Handler's Guide all reflect that sort of weathered, like they failed. Like like when you see yeah. something that is at, like a firearm score that has a failure, you know something went wrong at some point in time. There's yeah. a story behind that. So, so this, this is an honest mistake that, that was made, I think. We're going to get to something that pisses me off more about NPC stat blocks when we get to antagonists. So I'm going to leave off on this one. I think we can finish out the Dream Merchants, whatever they're called. Uh, the Dream Syndicate. Dream Syndicate is, I can think of one particular use for them that solves a problem that I have with scenario design. Uh, but I also created my own NPC just today that does that as well. She's an intelligence analyst who has to constantly keep drinking alcohol to stop her brain from recursively self-improving due to a virus it's been infected with. That's good. The, uh, the the only other thing I want to say about the the hacker kid is if he can, I don't really have a problem with him hacking into the agent's stuff. I think that's interesting. But if if the agents don't see it, then it doesn't help. So if he, but if he's a kid, he's a, probably a shithead. So he should hack them with something stupid, that like you know, like a ha ha ha, you know, you didn't say the magic word kind of malware, so that then the agents know we got hacked and they know it and they can take some sort of action. Kevin, you're you're a, you're an uh, an older gentleman, right? Do you remember the the hack that made your computer say, "Hey, everyone, I'm looking at gay porno"? <laughs> I remember that. That's like that was like yeah, ten years like, ago, like at that, least yeah. more twenty. And I, I was wearing that headphones comes, at the time. That just comes down for me. It comes down to like you need to show, not tell the agents they've been hacked. And if they just get hacked magically without any interaction, it feels like a cheap cop out. But if they can no, see yeah, it happening, it's fun. The, the tell that they got hacked is when the kid gets um, he swats them. Well, here's, here's the thing. You don't need to hack somebody to swat them. You just need to know their address. 
And also, swatting a federal agent is like, hey, guys, I'm a fucking cop. What's this? It's like the the Spider-Man meme. meme. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Dream Syndicate, uh, some potential, but not my favorite. Who's next? Um, My favorite's next. Tell us about this guy, Jake, because we need some positivity injected into this discourse. definitely is my favorite um, ally in the labyrinth. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but I haven't read a lot of about the GRUSV8, which is like the Russian counterpart to Delta Green. Is there a lot written about it? No, not, not, not in the new know. edition. In the old edition, it had a write-up and countdown. Yeah, But um, this explained a lot about how uh, GRUSV8 works in America it breaks down like team numbers and like what their mission is and how they're trying to compromise, you know, Delta green and steal a bunch of shit away from them. And then there's Rinko who is a guy who wants out. Maybe um, it's, a, it's, it's really kind of uh, up in the air as to like whose side he's actually on. And it's ultimately up to the handler to decide. And I really like that, but um, yeah, nice. everything about this section was just, really evocative it was dripping with flavor like all over the place and then there's also a cool new monster that's in it as well so for those of you who have not read the book our friend ricard excuse me ranko has been infected with a curse by the tajbegski bratva a group of afghansi who have uh turned to slave trading with the moon beasts of lang in order to make lots of money the bratva have cast a, a spell on Ranko that makes charnel hounds appear from space and hunt him. A charnel hound is a new monster developed for the scenario. It's kind of like a hound of Tinelados, but different. Thankfully, Ranko it's, knows it's him. It's different I'm, because it can be killed, but it's only temporarily killed. It'll always come back. It's like you're playing fetch with it with bullets. Ranko knows a magical spell that's more permanent. However, the magical spell leaves him vulnerable to bullshit. And uh, it's outlined that agents can participate in this. In fact, that's supposed to be like your first encounter with him. Jake, describe it to us and then I'll roast it. So basically uh, you and your homeboy agents are chilling at your hotel when all of a sudden uh, the book suggests that Rinko kicks down the door with a gun I to his him. own head. Okay. Okay, I'll finish it up and then I'll describe my problem with this. No, no, no I, I get what you're, what you're going with there. If someone kicks down my door, uh, I'm going, I'm an American. This is the castle kicks doctrine. The door, they have a gun, a gun in his hand. Yeah, he's, he's fucking wasted, right? Um, so, go ahead. So, uh, I know what your suggestion is. Why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us that? And so, then I'll so what Renko does is he kicks down the door and he says, he puts the gun to his own head and he says, you're, you, you just stepped in some shit. I'm about to kill myself, and then you'll have to deal with the outcome of that. So what if instead of that, you help me with a magic ritual to kill the monster that's hunting me? And this is really cool. It's very evocative to have the dude burst into the door with a gun to his head and threaten himself rather than you. That's like a super cool image. The problem with that is... He's still getting like Swiss cheese, though. Yeah, that's the problem, is that it immediately provokes... And even if he doesn't, the first interaction he's having with the players is threatening them. So the, the fix for this guy is pretty simple. Instead of kicking down the door with a gun in his hand and threatening the players. He knocks on it. He says, please help me. I'm in grave danger. I want out of this bullshit and I need your help. Which is something else entirely that you might experience uh, depending on like what kind of rundown motel your agents are staying at because, you know, someone knocks on the door of your hotel and it's like, please help me. I'm in a lot of trouble. I'm going to be like, get out of here, crackhead. 
Well, and he can yeah. drop he can drop some knowledge on you right away. Yeah, and, you know he can call you Delta Green and kind of get your agents to be like, oh shit, this is legit. Right, that's You're not letting that guy leave. If he knows what Delta Green is, he's he is trouble, and you need to black bag him. The problem with this is that everything in it is set up to make the players suspicious and make the players dispose of him quickly. I think that instead of doing that, he should display genuine vulnerability. He should be not a confrontational asshole. And then we can get into like, oh, he's secretly working for SV8 still and he's going to betray us. Oh, he he totally paints himself as vulnerable throughout the rest of the book. In fact, that's no, like... No, he doesn't. No, yeah, man. It's like uh, he comes to them and he's like sloppy drunk and he's like, oh, I really need your help. And then he explains to them about the little Jewish orphans in Ukraine that are going to die. So here, here's, some, here's something that, that, that I've, I've thought about this. Um, there's like a sidebar that explains that his greatest secret, which will never, ever be revealed to anyone, is that he's a gay Jew. It's like, okay, if you're putting it in there and you're saying it will never, ever be revealed, why is it in there? It's just it, it gets revealed if Franco unlocks the happy ending. It's it's like uh, it's it's like you're playing New Vegas and you want to get like the optimal ending. Uh, I got you. No, I think I think that that should be part of um, like what I said just said genuine vulnerability. Like he he can straight up say if this secret was ever revealed to my superiors, they would kill me. I can tell you because you have the power to kill me anyways. So I don't nothing changes by revealing that. But I just want you to know. Because you living in the United States have something that I don't, which is the ability to say that out loud and not die. Yeah, I mean, I think using him as an actual double agent, I think, is really lazy and tropey, and I, I don't like it. But making him a genuine asset that will help, you know, help give them a clue when they need one who comes to them for assistance and is, you know, vulnerable and needs help, that's good. Then you have an ally. And yeah, he's not going to give you, like, the keys to the Kremlin. But, you know, if, like, there's a scenario that we've all played where you can ask the program for you have to the green for a ritual. And if they say no, then well, why don't we call Rengo and try to see if he can help us out? Like it just gives I you like another that. ally. And I think him being like, I would try to pull him with totally straight, basically like, look, totally straight or just yeah, partially straight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and, yeah. Well, that's never revealed, you know, like helping the agents when they need it, but they also need to help him when with this trinal hunt issue. It's, it's also, what we mentioned earlier about how yeah. the organizations need to present themselves as absolutely useful if they don't want to just get immediately capped or black-sided. Yep. Uh, the one other thing I, for this... I think Kevin had something else to say before I cut okay. him off. No, uh, not really. Not okay, so remember earlier when I said that this book had a problem of mentioning things that are much or more interesting than the book itself? Yes. In the article about Ranko, it mentions that there's a pair of of brothers or sisters, depending on their mood, that work for a GRU SV8 and they kidnap things and they kidnap Deep One babies and dream parasites and other monsters and use magic to, to do that. Yeah, the when, I read that I thought, when I read that, I thought, write an article about them, not, not Renko. I am so much more interested in these wizard brothers or sisters. They sound like much, they sound much yeah. more exciting. I don't know why when I that, uh, when I heard about them, I kind of thought of like the Wachowskis, the people that uh, made the Matrix. But anyway, that's that's what I have for them in my head. Or that's I, what they look I, like. I figure they're more like uh, Coen Brothers. Their films are a bit more cerebral. Nice. Anyway, uh, any other thoughts on Renko? Um, I like that uh, he can be a double agent or a triple agent, or he can be like totally honest. Um, I also like all the different uh, segments in it that are meant to like play up the paranoia that um, I really I really like playing like tradecrafty style scenarios and uh rinko really kind of injects that like, like straight into my veins like it's that good stuff man i need i need more i need more stuff that's written like this because i really like it 
I also think that the level to which um, GRU SV8 has penetrated Delta Green, according to this to this entry, is kind of absurd because it basically assumes that all of the Delta Green characters are just complete fucking idiots. I can understand yeah, if yeah. they like broke into one cell or whatever, or got one green box, but. Like, you know how earlier we complained that the whole book seems to be written with the assumption that the player characters will cooperate with the NPC? I feel yeah. like that's what's happening here, where it's like, oh yeah, everyone in Delta Green is totally into this dude. Yeah, I, I like the section where it's like, uh, they laugh at the breach of security that green boxes represent. They have a podcast and they just put all their secrets out there on the air for everybody to listen to. What did he mean by this? Right, so the witness line is the next group. Who would like to yeah. introduce them? Uh, I, I got it. They're, they're also uh, a fictional analog to a real world organization, or at least that's the way I interpreted it. They sound a lot like the Southern Poverty Law Center. Yeah, and I yeah, like that the, the text of the article includes like some thinly veiled shots at SPLC where it's like they kind of just started putting groups on them they just didn't like on the hate list. So yeah, a uh, real, real analogy is that... Um, for those of you not familiar, SPLC is a group that is supposed to list like hate groups. They're supposed to be kind of like the Anti-Defamation League in that regard. You know, they put like the Klan on there and like different Nazi organizations, shit like that. But then they got in trouble because they started just putting like, here's a guy who said nasty things about Muslims. Oh wait, he was an, he's an ex-Muslim. And this this group similarly has like a, a shot across the bow at this imaginary group. But that's not why we're here. We don't we're not here to do culture war shit because this group has a connection to Delta Green. We hope. Right, it's got like a retired, uh, brain-zapped Delta Green agent, uh, just an old boomer that's in their midst. So so basically, um, the key here is that one member of their organization is ex-Delta Green, and he is trying to use the organization to track cults and find their secrets. But the trick... It's like a knowledge-hungry wizard stereotype, right? Yes, but the trick is that there is another character who saw him get fucked up after going on a Delta Green adventure, figured out what Delta Green was, and said, Delta Green is the ultimate hate group, which, by the way... Galaxy Brain Tech. 100% correct. <laughs> Objectively correct by any standard of measurement. Delta Green yeah. is a group whose sole purpose is to kill people because they are different. But, but would you call them a civil society organization? Yes. <laughs> they are... Basically, Delta Green is something that you would expect more out of, like, you know, China or East Germany, a conspiracy within the government dedicated to liquidating dissidents by destroying civil society organizations that do not align with the interests of the state, killing people so, because of their race or religion. That's they, true. I they, mean, let's not forget that uh, Delta Green has its roots in, in P Division, which got started as a way of an, or, organizing and collecting all the, the deep ones into the head, camps. Yeah, yeah. The head of Delta Green, his explicit goal is the complete and total genocide of deep ones down to the babies. And good. every single last one of them. <laughs> so well, one of the things good, man. I don't want to be a like deep one cattle stock one day for feeding I and breeding. I 100% do want to be a deep Jake. one. What? You guys are wrong. Deep ones are awesome and it's good to be one because not only do you get to hang out on land, you also live forever and live underwater. Listen, look, Max, I need you to stay exactly where you are. Go go stand near the window. I didn't realize I was surrounded by members of a hate, a hate group. I didn't realize that <laughs> the... the the brown shirts had come for me when all I want to do is dwell in splendor beneath the many column city of Yohanfle. Two of us were or are law enforcement in America, so obviously members of the world's largest gang. And, and I'm Canadian. Ugh, hateful. Hey. Burned down the White House. So, so no, one Kevin, of the things, yeah, uh, trying to steer us back on the track here. Um, one of the things that they recommend is they can help building a cover story, um, which I kind of like, but I feel like all the federal law enforcement folks have really 
solid cover stories already. Like I feel like I've never had that be a problem. But I'm curious if anybody else thought that that was a good way to use these guys. No, it's it's good. You know, there's the typical um, I flash my badge and I get into the crime scene type thing, which isn't always immediately available to uh, Delta Green agents. So, like, for them to have this contact in the Witness Alliance that can say, oh, hey, sergeant that's manning this crime scene. Yeah, look, I'm with the FBI. This is, like, official hate group investigation business. No, I don't have any paperwork right now, but if you call, um, what's her name? The, the the lady that's here, she can vouch for me. And that that's that's kind of the purpose there, right? Yeah, I, I see. I, I feel like just having the agents be part of, like, a JGTF is a lot stronger. But... Yeah, and I, I guess to use them as a cover story, you'd have to have built them up through a like a, a long series of campaigns. I'm not sure they have the staying power for that. Um, ironically, though, I do I do have a scenario that involves neo Nazis in America, and these guys would be a good uh, foil, a good thing to put into that scenario. So, I mean, I, actually, out of all the aller groups, this one was maybe the one I'd most likely use. You're, you're having to make your own one up, right? Because there's not any like new cults or new like mythos hate groups so to speak in this like they mentioned yeah, one the, that's in a, passing a real problem they mentioned one in passing and it sounded really cool and i wanted to know more about it but uh there's not a whole lot it's like the wolves of yeah. eric they said that the guy is collecting um information about cults but they have no information on the cults which yeah, yeah it's it's, it's i mean you know handler's got to make stuff up with your own uh melon red yeah, max you know that more than any of us because you are no, constantly, constantly no, making up no. stuff yeah i'm yeah i'm constantly making up stuff but that doesn't mean that i'm gonna go out and say oh yeah here's a source book where there's a group that analyzes cults by the way we're not telling you about the fucking cults. i'll tell you a lot about some cults uh the cult of transcendence which was which ended. everyone fucking hates <laughs> all right so, so yeah, yeah, Jake, we can use this as an opportunity to talk about, because each one of these has an arc, like we said earlier. What's the arc here? The arc, I believe, is intended that um, you are steered by the uh, retired uh, boomer agent uh, to investigating different cults and acquiring their documents and their tomes and their items and things like that. All the while, uh, the girl who hates Delta Green because she's madly in love with that retired boomer uh, tries to set you up. Well, specifically, the Delta Green agent has a voluminous backstory about his involvement with the Cult of Transcendence. For those of you not familiar with the Cult of Transcendence, it's an Illuminati organization from old Delta Green, and everyone hated it, including the guy who wrote it. Um, and so, yeah, as as we were saying, this guy is using you to like gather information about the wizard cult, and then he goes crazier and crazier, and then you have to get rid of him. I wonder if you could substitute a slightly more interesting cult. I actually really like the presentation because while the Cult of Transcendence sucked, a lot of the sub-organizations under it were pretty good. They had like different lodges and like churches and so on that were parts of it, and some of them were pretty cool. Like it was a bunch of it was it was you know how sometimes people say stuff is more than the sum of its parts? This one was less than the sum of its parts. Kevin, I thought you would have liked this organization because there's an Antifa guy in it. Well no, he wouldn't because he doesn't like being caricatured. I mean who me or the the, the Antifa guy? You, you don't like being made fun of by imaginary RPGs. Wait, does anyone? Is that someone's fetish? Probably. So there's a character in this book who identifies Delta Green as an evil deep state racist conspiracy, which it absolutely uh, is. Co- correctly identifies. 
yeah, like he's 100% correct about that, as we talked about earlier. And so he tries to collect information about it and dox the agents and reveal Delta Green's secrets to the world because, wow, there's a conspiracy in, that in the United States government that whose sole purpose is to just murder people who are being different. I mean, that's a 100% a realistic uh, way for that to play out. So that's, that's nice. I was going to make a joke about COINTELPRO, and I was trying to remember the one guy that uh, the FBI supposedly murdered. And in my head, I was thinking Fred Durst, but it's uh, Fred Hampton. Yeah, be much better. Than Fred Durst. <laughs> Fred Durst is uh, who's that? This is Limp Bizkit, uh, yeah, that's Limp Biscuit. Yeah, of Limp Bizkit, the greatest band of all time. <laughs> but yeah, he, he thinks it's like COINTELPRO to you know frame uh, Martin Luther King and discredit. For, the, for the, yeah, for those of you who don't know, COINTELPRO was a uh, an FBI illegal surveillance pr- program, uh, COINTELPRO counterintelligence program uh, that that would um, illegally wiretap, surveil, infiltrate, and sometimes murder different civil society organizations during the 1960s, around that time. Um, and most famously, they spied on MLK, but really they spied on everyone, uh, black nationalists, white nationalists, the Klan, the Panthers, the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, the, uh, notably, they were very effective at at badgering people who weren't doing much of anything, but completely failed to do anything about the weather underground, who were an actual dangerous communist terrorist cell. Right. Look, thank thank God we put a stop to that, and the government no longer spies on its citizens. Exactly. You guys have anything else about witness lines? No, that's lines? a perfect segue. <laughs> so, uh, I think we've we've kind of beat the allies to death. Serves them right for trying to make friends with us. Um, now we go to antagonists. Right. And the first one, and uh, I think, Max, we kind of briefly discussed this beforehand, but you and I kind of came to the same conclusion about New Life Fertility inadvertently. So, real quick, their headquarters is on a yacht, and I'm kind of annoyed that I didn't get to make a map of a yacht. Well, we're going to go into your mapping troubles later for a number of reasons, but um, you're correct. New Life Fertility is an organization that uses um, a bunch of like magic juice that they found in a cave in England to infect people and make them into the Shebnigrath race, to make them into a new species of human being that will inherit the earth. And they do this right. in the guise of a fertility organization that helps people who have problems conceiving children. The, the, the same conclusion that you and I independently reached is that this is like X-Men. It's it's the X-Men, but like with a mythos lens on it. Well, so, so it's, it's mutants. It's the concept that there is a new species on this planet, and they have special powers that sometimes make them hideous hideous freaks and sometimes make them like gods, and they are going to replace humanity. Have you read the, the Jonathan Hickman new X-Men reboot? reboot? Um, I was actually going to go in the other direction and talk about Ultimate X-Men and Ultimate Avengers, because there's a really specific detail that I see replicated here. So um, there is a character in here that is uh, one of these mutants, one of the, um, the Shubnigarath babies, and he is extremely sexually attracted to his sister, who is also a Shebnigrath baby. Right. And in Ultimate X-Men, I'm like 99% sure that Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, the two mutants on the, Avenger, on the Ultimate Avengers team, were in an incestuous relationship together. Yeah, that checks out. But uh, like with the Hickman reboot, the mutants recognize that like they're the next evolutionary step of humanity. They're going to leave you know, Homo sapiens behind. So that creates like the whole us versus them mentality. Uh, there's also like gates that the mutants can use to move across the world, like instantly. And there's one in this one too. And there's one in this one too, right? Um, so there's like the the Capris, who is like 
the he's like cerebro. Yeah, he's, he's, he's cerebro. cerebro. He, he can he can track the location of all mutants on Earth. Yeah, it's this is totally just like the new X Men reboot, except it's mythosy. Will and Kevin, what did you think? I mean, I wish I could have made a boat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like my, that's literally my wheelhouse. Uh, it's literally nice. a wheelhouse. Uh, it's fine. Will, what did you, you think? You can make a you can make a boat for us. I didn't get a chance to read New Life too closely, unfortunately. So, uh, New Life is the it's the one that's like a cosmic scale where there's like thousands and thousands of them. So basically, what Delta Green has to do is they have to institute the Sentinel program. <laughs> no, it I, I got the sense of that too because it talks about um, the way that this program is going to go in the future. The New Life program that is, I mean, I, I liked the nod to uh, the source of the mystery material being in uh, in England. Nice little yeah, Severn Valley. Uh, yeah. Goop. Yep. Anybody who's familiar with um, the final revelation will understand why I I approve of that. I'm so, not familiar with the final revelation. What do you mean by that? Set in England, and there's a bunch of stuff going on in like the lake. The district Severn and, Valley. Uh, near the Severn Valley, as a matter of fact, involving Shibnigaroth. It's it's uh, this new life is like it's a much grander scale and it feels like something that agents will never really get to stop. They'll definitely get to like witness parts of it and, you know, experience some really fucked up stuff. And even if you manage to get on board the boat and take out the big bad goat man, which is harder than you think it would be. Um, how, it it, how it seems is- like like they can't stop it. Well, I mean, he's like a very powerful uh, goat man with conventional weapons barely hurt him like he takes like one hp damage per attack unless it reaches like a certain lethality threshold which you know some people have problems with that but whatever yeah it's a bad mechanic um but speaking of bad mechanics the thing that annoys me and this i have a bit i have this problem with all of the groups uh in the antagonist section the thing that annoys me is that there are characters in here who have zero sanity and yet behave like completely normal human beings ex- externally I personally think that if you have zero sanity, you should not be able to pass as normal. Well, are you talking about like the the scientist lady who is like locked away on the boat about, right now? Or I'm talking about all of the zero san NPCs who have no disorders in this book. If you are at zero sanity, you should not be able to appear normal. You don't. Well, you, you don't need a disorder when you're like worshiping Shub Nigarath with like yes, everything you do. You do. Oh, wait, so when that when that character exists, what you do is you take the sheet and hand it to the players. And that wait a second. So this the problem I have with this is that if having zero sanity has no consequences mechanically, then you cannot take away my character sheet when I have zero sanity. They're not real people. They're NPCs and they're badly worshipping. Like What happens when you go from one sanity to zero is all your disorders get removed. That's not explicitly stated anywhere, but that makes sense, I guess, because now... Like, I mean, only, only player characters have disorders. Right. No, 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 that's sure. not true. The that's NPCs that's not true. and yeah, the handler's guide have a bunch. Like, uh, <laughs> so so here, here's my problem, is that basically, basically from this perspective, um, the Zero Sand NPCs are philosophical zombies. They are completely normal from the outside, but have no internal life. They have no sanity. They have no self, the way we think of it. But I reject the possibility that a P-Zombie could exist, because if something has all the characteristics of a conscious mind... Max, you wrote a, a scenario mind, about P-Zombies. Yeah, and guess what? That scenario takes place in an imaginary world. And they so all had the- fucking disorders. They all had <laughs> characteristics that made them visibly different. They weren't actually P-Zombies because they had behaviors that distinguished them from conscious beings. 
So I, I mean, I think the the fix here, you know, now that we're fixing all these groups, is there should be a, a sidebar that explains how to play these zero sand people. As it, it's like, there, is it? Like it already it tells you how to do that. Like uh, the the main one, uh, Nori McDougall, the scientist lady. It says that she's capable of you know issuing scientific mandates about research and this that and the other. But then she'll like trail off mid sentence and just act crazy, like she's listening to music no one else can see or listen. So write delusions next to the zero sand. It's there. You just don't yeah. like necessarily need it. In, in um, my in my opinion, I think that y- you could run these uh, zero sand NPCs as is. It doesn't necessarily like they're not taking sanity losses. You don't have to roll to see if their disorders activate. They are completely and irrevocably irredeemable. Um, but they behave. They don't behave like it. They behave like someone who has one disorder or none. No, no, they behave like they're hyperfixated on trying to uh, eradicate humanity and gradually replace them with the next generation of uh, Homo Superior. Okay, but that's one disorder. That's obsession, eradicate humanity, and replace them with Homo Superior. Yeah, but like, so it's for, there. Uh, it's what so you do. For the for the the James guy, he's ruthless and determined, entitled. You know, I feel like that doesn't that doesn't read zero sand to me. No, that's that's every yeah. player character. Yeah, mechanically doesn't have that much of an effect because it's not not like NPC sanity comes into play very often. But because these characters are so broken and brain issued, there should just be clearer things on how the player should do them. And I'm just I can understand not giving some of them a sanity score at all. Like the the Capriga child should clearly not have a sand score because yeah, he's not a human. He's a monster. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Having him having no sanity whatsoever and not even having a sand score is great. But to have like NPCs that have zero sand but can still function in society. No, fuck that. I, I would have appreciated if they had some motivations as well, but I guess yes. like because that would inform your role playing a little bit better, you know, like how you're supposed to portray these NPCs. If that's, that, that's, again, that's what I said, and then you said the, they were there. Uh, they're there in the text blocks, but it's not like those are there's like like specific ways to portray. That's them. what I said, dude. I said put the disorder <laughs> next to the sand score. No, I was saying motivations. Motivation is just a disorder that hasn't happened yet. Wait, no, that's, no, that's, that's it. it. They that's can't it. have motivations because the disorders replace them all. Ah. And the, the disorders are gone now because they had zero sand, apparently. Um, yeah. No, I think I think it's good. It's just like I was handing out earlier. This is such like a high level of play. There's so many things with new life for the characters, uh, for the agents to get after. It almost feels like they'll be chasing this group down for a very long time. You know what's nice about it, though? What's that? Delta Green. We've I've, I've complained in the past that New Delta Green basically has no antagonist organizations. Everyone's like a lone wolf who's completely untraceable and just acting on their own. And it's nice that they've taken they've they've done something that's completely the opposite of that. I do appreciate that. It's got a lot of layers that you got to peel back. Max, how do you feel about the connection to Marsh Technologies? What's the connection? Well, if you if you look into the connection, you get told not to. Fuck <laughs> that. You know, it's funny is uh, back in the, the Rinko section, um, if if you refuse to help him, like when he needs the most, he says that he'll go peddle his secrets somewhere else. And then like the next time agents see him, he has like a bodyguard detail and he's climbing into like a black armored SUV. And he's like, I'll see you little peasants later. I'm a vice president at March Tech now. No, I'm, I'm fucking sick of March Technologies. It's, well, it's cancer. But, uh, How are you sick March, of it when we don't know anything about it? <laughs> That's that's the genius of this of this style is that despite never it never showing up, I'm already fucking sick of it. 
because every time it shows up, it's you can't interact with this. Don't interact with this. Don't have fun. Don't play the game. This kid doesn't exist. Yeah, agency disregard orders to stand down. They run afoul of March technology, March's substantial influence and resources. Well, what are those? Yeah, like r- at least write the book before you tell me about all this shit that I'm not allowed to do. I mean, the the thing that kind of uh, stands out to me all the all the allies you can use as as clue generators, and that's there's value to that. All the antagonists, I feel like you need you need a scenario, or you need some sort of a setting to set them in. Just telling us about them and giving me some seeds is, to me is like it's like half halfway. And I know there's supposedly a book of scenarios coming out, and that may change my opinion, but it doesn't exist yet. So, I mean, when I look at all these antagonists, I'd like to see a really cool scenario around dealing with these folks that gets more into it. I, I think this is so. fine as it is. It's got locations. You know, this guy's got a mansion in Germany. There's the yacht in the middle of you know, international waters. It tells you about all their efforts that they're doing, different ways you might discover them because the kids are, the 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 mutant kids are murdering their rich, affluent parents in order to get access to their wills. And then like, there's a shady organization that's funding their legal fees. I, there's plenty of ways to structure scenarios around oh, this. I think. Absolutely. But if I wanted to put my own scenario together, I would do it myself. Well, that's what this book is. It's like a toolbox. It's not like a script to follow. Yeah, and Kevin's saying that he doesn't like that. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. That's- uh, so I think we've beaten the, I didn't try to use that re- that metaphor. This one, I like some stuff about this one. I think that gen- in general, I like the antagonists better than the protagonists. Yeah, because it's fun to imagine how players are going to like tear them down. It's like, yeah, you, these are these are the ones you're meant to do violence on. So that's like that's like the most likely course of action when when a when a player character interacts with any part of your game, it's going to be to kill it. And that's what the intended purpose is here. Their their targets on a shooting range, oh, but these targets are uh, like they're the ones on the little things that move back and forth, you know, and get closer to you. Yeah, and I do appreciate that. You know, it's it's kind of easy mode when agents have to go in and wreck cultists. But this is these guys have like well armed hardened soldiers, so I appreciate that this would be a challenge. That I mean, you you could firearms your way through it, but I mean, taking out the ship with a bunch of you know a bunch of agent level guards on it would be difficult unless you found someone to be clever about it. So I like that. Yeah, it's good. Uh, so uh, who wants to introduce the next organization? Which organization is the next one? The Lonely. Okay, so the Lonely are. It lonely is an organization. It's not even an organization. It's there's a guy on the internet who makes bad posts, and when you read the bad posts, you become susceptible to the influence of the king in yellow, and that create creates a sign of creeping mental decay that makes you a worse and worse poster until your bad posting manifests in real life in one of several interesting but ultimately not terribly gameplay interesting ways. So wait, these are a bunch of like uh, people uh, who are alone and nobody likes them, and uh, basically they have a hard time like functioning in society. They have a hard time getting laid and stuff like that. Sure, they're king in cellos. Ooh, uh, Jake, we've so, just we've just voted you off the podcast. It's, you know, so I think the thing sorry. about this one is that this is a tremendously evocative, very well written, but ultimately not that gameable group so i loved it though i loved reading it but i can't see how this would ever become a scenario because it has one of the biggest problems of you know remember earlier how i was complaining about all the bad guys in the new delta green are all completely untraceable lone wolves who have no connections to each other well so when you become influenced by captain sunshine which is the name of the shit poster that controls this group um i thought that was melon bread yeah well 
guess what? Have you ever seen me and Captain Sunshine in the same place at the same time? No, you haven't because of the problem <laughs> I'm about to describe with this, with this group. And that problem is that all these people who are acting out in all these ways are influenced by bad forum posts and bad Facebook posts and bad internet posts and bad IRC posts by Captain Sunshine. So they go just and they walk act walk away out. from the computer. Just like, turn it off, bro. There you go. How is cyberbullying real? <laughs> yeah, I got you. Anyway, um, the problem is that okay, I learned that someone has made a bad post on the internet through this completely untraceable magic internet account. Okay, what do I do about to that? To the dark web. I can't do anything about it. Some of the some of the um, the characters that they put in here are, are super cool. There's like one who's a janitor, but is basically like becoming the the um, not the Unabomber, but the other one, the one who, the one who bombed those other buildings. No, 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 no. Uh, it really reminded me of True Detective because it was the groundskeeper who was the king in yellow. Uh, on True Detective, right? This is like a janitor who's basically like yeah one of them here, and she 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 is being uh, influenced by Captain Sunshine to believe that the United States is controlled by a secret terrorist conspiracy that illegally spies on its citizens and murders them. What you mean, like Delta Green? What you mean, like real life? <laughs> oh no, but um, basically, uh, it's like each each of these NPCs is pretty cool and interesting, but some of them are just like, yeah, she's sad. She lived at home. It's like, well, who cares? What? Why? How is this gameplay? The the rest of the book outlines stages, and this one does it too. It outlines like stages of like interaction with Delta Green, like stage one introduction, stage two, you know, we turn the heat up a little bit. Stage three, everything's at like a full blown boil, right? My suggestion for this group is that you need to work it in reverse. You need to start off with like the stage three enemy here, who goes off on some, you know, like mass shooting. Uh, spree. And Describe then, the special power that the mass shooters have, because it's actually kind of um, an in- a neat take on an interesting current event. Right. Yeah. So the one of the things about the people who encounter like the stage three enemies, which uh, they go, what is it? The lonely, the grim, and then the furious. And it just kind of starts off with like it's like stages of like lonely people are lonely. Then the grim people like go out and harass people in order to try and get noticed. And then the furious are the ones that like carry out acts of violence, which is like a good, this is good for like, you know, like the way people get radicalized in real life to, you know, like white nationalist agendas or, you know, going out and writing their own manifestos and stuff. But one of the stage three ones, which is the the people that go out and do that acts of violence, uh, there is an effect that might be felt by other people. And one of them was the cowardly authority. Um, first responders may find themselves overwhelmed by cowardice and fear. They act like there's a, you know, a million eyes staring at them. They're unable to act. And I was like, this is just that school shooting in Broward County from last year where there was that cop that was there for like 13 minutes while the kid was in the school fucking mowing down the rest of his classmates and he didn't go in. He didn't do anything. He didn't try to stop it. And he got fired and everybody hates him. And um, hung. dude, yeah, I, I fully agree there. So, um, so, so for, for for context, both of the people who just said that are or are law enforcement or former law enforcement. <laughs> so it's so it's not yeah, just like random internet people talking shit. It's random internet people talking shit within a well in a similar profession. But then there's also you know other effects that these level three enemies have is like people just randomly scream and like they can't control themselves or else they flock to this violence that's happening and they don't do anything else but like record it and share it online. And that's sort See, of like part the is, bystander this part is cool. effect. This part is gameable. It has a it has a mechanic associated with it. And um, you know what I was thinking when I read it? 
What's that? I was thinking Delta Green needs to learn how to spoof the Captain Sunshine post so that they can get all these people and use them as a private army. Like I want to, I want, I want the, I want uh, one of the cowboys to program this group to take on March Tech and just find because I'm not, oh, I'm not allowed to interact with them. Okay, well, I guess what? I'll program uh, the friggin' Unibomber to go blast them. You can play March Tech with shit, weaponized shit posting. Yeah. Did she only like it? Uh, but but my suggestion was to take this from like the third stage enemies and work your way back down because you find the third stage enemy and you find their manifesto and you find you know the sequel to their personal King and Yellow book and you go out looking for you know other people that are radicalized like this and then like the haunting and shocking realization that you come to at the end is that these people are everywhere and they can be anywhere in their influence can happen to anyone that's like the truly shocking reveal but like that's supposed to be meant that like the first stage enemy is the one that reveals like the most shocking thing and i think you should do that in reverse yeah this seemed like probably the hardest one to to gamify um you know i i appreciate i think you're right that they did it i just i wonder if this would have worked better as a really some of the delta green fiction is really good i wonder if this would have worked better as like a really solid fiction you know what i mean yeah this is you know i think think, fiction I think Dennis did write a way it went down that was very similar to this. I can't recall the name of it, but I do remember reading something very similar. Oh, the, to this. the way the way it went down. What's that? It's Is that always, that's, uh, those 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 short story things that Dennis keeps uh, putting on on his Patreon that he's compiling an anthology of. Um, he compiled it into one anthology, and I think he has another one that he's been tossing around to do again, like a second volume oh, of it. There you uh, have it, Dennis. Happy now? I don't subscribe to people's Patreon, so I don't know what that is. That's a lie. You subscribe to the Green Box Patreon, which all of the listeners out there can do right My now. My name still has not been mispronounced yet. Your check has to clear the bank yeah, first. this recording, you haven't paid us anything yet, so you're which, uh, right now. Sh- shameless stuff plug time. We're on Patreon. Uh, please, if you like the show, give us some money. Typical uh, bureaucratic hair splitting by the deep state. <laughs> you are you're both a member of and and being paid by the deep states you're like the most american contractor we have yes the, the derp state so uh, in other nice. king and yellow scenarios it's suggested that like nothing that you can ever do will matter uh concerning the king and yellow because you know it's like an entropic force oh, and seen, it's inevitable uh but in this one it suggests that captain sunshine can be stopped Oh. Yeah, with a simple closing the breach spell, which I feel like is one of the latest that's, stand away. Yeah, that's it's not that simple though, because that's the one that requires having like intimate details of the thing at hand, which given the nature of the yellow sign and it's like infectious info hazard, that is almost like an adventure in and of itself, you know? Because it's the thing I don't like that it requires don't, don't a look magic at spell. the yellow sign because it infects you. All right, well, I need to look at it in order to stop this thing. No, you can't. So, you know, you're going to have to have agents that are, go out there and do their own thing in order to stop this. So you have to you have to get get intimate knowledge. Does that mean that one of you has to, like, go on a date with this NPC lady who shit posts as Captain Sunshine and, like, you know, ask about how her day was? And, you know, what I would what I would really have appreciated about this, it it suggests that the loneliness is infectious, that other people are drawn towards the lonely people. I would have liked to have seen mechanics for that happening to agents for them. I would have liked an actual group. When I read that, it. I thought, isn't that literally the, literally the opposite of loneliness? <laughs> yeah. No, no, so like they're drawn together, but they don't 
acknowledge each other like uh, it says like when when one person is like say living in an apartment complex like the corrosive influence might be rubbing off on their upstairs neighbor but they don't know because they don't talk to their upstairs neighbor and when i read that i thought like i don't know the person that lives on the other side of my apartment wall i don't I don't know the person that's above me. I don't know like what they're going through. Uh, it, it kind of hit a little too close to home. The there. Art, it's, it's again very evocative, not very gameable. If you want it, if you want a great King and Yellow scenario about a fucked up apartment, go read Horde on the Fairfield Project. That is a great scenario, Wait, I, and I, I, I have stolen. I thought you were going to were gonna talk about uh, uh, Will. What's the one where my guy fell into the elevator shaft forever? Night floors. Yeah, Night Floors is another King and Yellow apartment complex. I, I think that Tynes just doesn't like apartments. All right, let's talk about the Sowers. The Sowers. Uh, the Sowers are a group of, um, I forget what denomination. Terraforming machines left behind by the Endless. That's true. More. Have you read the article, Will? It's more true than you think. <laughs> uh, the Sowers are a group of... Um, I don't know what denomination of Christianity there. I guess it's kind of a made-up one. Um, they were started when a guy saw the angel Azazel and said, if you kill me, I'll give you magic powers. And he was like, I, I see no problem with this. So he kills the angel, he gets magic <laughs> powers, and then uh, he forms a cult that's supposed to revitalize all of these like dying Rust Belt cities and uh, Rust Belt towns that are you know having like opioid deaths and no manufacturing jobs and stuff like that. And the way he revitalizes it is through this um, this religion, which is like a flavor of Christianity that is not evangelical, but is supposed to demonstrate its worth through good works and through a clever spell. Because these guys have a, a you know a special in with Christ, and when they say this special prayer, they get a magic spell that causes them to pass all luck rolls, which Wait, makes this... them seem super successful. So they get lots of new members. Is and, Joel Austin in this or no? Because um, I'm going to finish my sentence. Oh. Uh, so basically it's a it's a, a, a cult organized around um, better living through Jesus and it's like a pyramid scheme because everyone's supposed to like go out and recruit new members and you get initiated through successive layers of the mystery and the final layer of the mystery is that you actually get given a, a knife and they say go into the basement and kill the devil and you go into the basement and there's a dude standing there and he says hey how's it going on the devil um, just go ahead and kill me I don't mind. And then if you refuse to kill him, he starts telling you about all the um, the nice things he's going to do for you if you let him live. Like, hey, I'm going to you know cure your wife's cancer. You're going to get like $100,000 a day for the rest of your life. Everything's going to go your way. And if you kill him, you get to join like the inner circle of the mystery. And if you leave, all the good stuff happens and the cult murders you. And they have another couple of interesting quirks. Um, so the magic spell that they use to get the success in the luck rolls costs some willpower but because uh the cult is very like um conservative you can cast the spell with your wife and use her willpower instead so all the wives of the cult have like you know low willpower syndromes and nervous breakdowns and shit we're gonna get back to why this is a um why i think he kind of fucked the math on this one but so all the wives are, are neurotic and low willpower because the husbands are constantly leeching off of them to get bonuses in their luck rolls, you know, as you do. Um, it's like projection. It's, it's kind, of an, a, kind of an interesting mirror of the projection rules. Um, but finally, the other effect that this group has is that in addition to being very good at agriculture, which is why they're called the sowers, um, their use of the fertility spell, so the, the use, their use of, the, of the, um, the luck spell is an anti-fertility drug. So all of their 
wives are constantly having miscarriages, which is a really odd detail, and it doesn't necessarily fit thematically with the rest of it, but is just gruesome enough to fit. So what'd y'all think of this one? I can't read the phrase linoleum knife, which is what you're given to go kill the devil, without the without thinking about the amazing Mastodon song called Cut You Up with a Linoleum Knife, which was the intro Isn't that to Aqua Dean Aqua Dean Hunger Hunger Force, Force? Yeah, the movie, is, colon? Yeah, the movie, yeah, which is such a good track, but I just Kevin, can't read Linoleum Kevin, Knife without Kevin, that. Kevin, do not explain the plot. If you can't understand it, you shouldn't be here. Throw the baby into the street. So for those for those of you who don't know, it's a... Uh, um, show notes. Yeah. So this group uh, has some good stuff. It's like, um, it's you know, sufficiently it's, creepy, like to, sufficiently creepy without being on, it's like, oh, like oh, crazy yeah. world spanning horror and, you know, serious monsters. It's evil, but not like totally unbelievable and out of control. There's stuff the players can do about it and it reacts. There's a few nitpicks I have and some of them are serious and some of them are just nitpicks. Um, it seems like there's a lot of mechanical effects in this one, like uh, yeah. that. Like there's things that can happen to agents and things that they can influence and different choices oh, that they can make. Shit, we haven't talked about cracked agents. We need to talk about that. That's one of the first things this book tells you about. Yeah, so we haven't talked about it because this is like normal f- without cracking a few agents. Well, let's, nice. let's talk about them at the end then because it makes no sense to do it now. No, because there's a mechanic here that actually needs to reference crack agents. This is the first group that really leans into cracked agents. The other one's like, I might mention it in passing one or two times, but this one, it seems to be almost central to it. A cracked agent is an agent who has sanity equal to their power times four or less. So it's basically a dude with a disorder. Yeah, someone who's passed the breaking point at least one time. And by becoming cracked, your agent gains the ability to make bad posts and not generally be as funny or interesting as it was 10 years ago. That's not saying it for anybody. I get it. No, that's good. I I used to read crack.com a lot. That's makes me sad. that After hours is still some of the funniest television. I haven't, I haven't looked at it in a while, so maybe it's good again. Um, So cracked agents get the power to see things that healthy people can't see. And in this one, in this case, um, by killing the demon Azazel, uh, the secret cultists, the highest tier, the deacons gain a special ability to be viewed as cosmically innocent by anyone who is not cracked. Anyone who is not cracked automatically likes these people and is not suspicious of their bad behavior no matter what they do. Well, maybe not no matter what they do, but generally believes that they are good people and innocent. That makes sense why there's like a sidebar in this one about how the local police doesn't think that this weird cult in the middle of their compound is weird or not. Maybe they just, you know, aren't cracked and they view them as metaphysically innocent. Yeah, although it's also they also say that the, the police won't like defend them or anything. They just kind of are indifferent. Makes sense. I mean, nobody's giving me a problem. I don't really give a shit about what they're doing. Well, that's so one one thing that um, this this they say basically it says you should try and create conflict between your agents because some of them are cracked and some of them aren't. So some of them are going to say, "Oh, this cult's totally innocent." Some of them are going to say, um, "No, it's fucked up." But what I don't like about that is that all the players know out of character that the group is fucked up. So you're not really creating like tension. You're just kind of artificially creating it by telling people what they believe. There's there's nothing in this that could suggest otherwise besides the cracked thing, right? Like there's no like notable redeemable factor. One thing you could do is uh, relate it to skill checks to, for instance, to read some of these individuals and see if there's a, if, if they if they read as suspicious or sinister. A raw human. Yeah, and to an agent that is not cracked, a human success returns. Nice, fine, it's totally cool. 
Whereas to an agent that is cracked, a human success returns. There is something off about this guy. But like for maximum effect, you'd want to make it one of those skill checks where the players don't see the results of the die. Yeah, you got to roll it in secret. I think that's how human should always be. It probably should be, yeah. And related, I'm kind of disappointed this cracked mechanic didn't show up anywhere else in the Delta Green rules until now because this is cool and I like it. And it's a staple of... It's like bloody for... Yeah, exactly. It's like bloody but for your mind. And it's a staple of other horror and games that have sandy mechanics like for instance uh the classic amnesia the dark descent where you start to see shit the more fucked up you are or bloodborne when the more uh, man's knowledge you get the more shit you can see in the world until you can just see the giant fucking spider that lives directly above the starting (laughs) area i was thinking about uh true detective like how marty the woody harrelson character is not cracked but uh the matthew mcconaughey character rust is definitely cracked because he starts to see all this like weird shit like in the sky and the birds in the spiral pattern and shit like that. It's definitely good for like gaslighting agents just like putting some weird shit in their minds, you know? So some other things about this one. Um, the scenario, the group text claims that the problem that the, the they have is that they're... Um, the wives are constantly being drained of willpower because they lose D4 plus one um, every time the spell is cast, which is once a day. Um, I don't buy it because D4 plus 1 is an average of 3.5. Willpower recovery is D6 per night, average of 3.5. They should be even Stevens. And if they're acting according to their motivations, they should be gaining willpower, not losing it At the end of the, by the end of the day. They should be completely zeroed out. So uh, I think that this was just an honest math mistake, but um, I just felt the need to point that out because uh, we've talked a lot about the willpower recovery mechanics and whether um, willpower losing is like properly unified with the exhaustion mechanics 3.6 willpower not great not exhausted yeah nice um finally the other issue i have with these guys is that the angel is just you know half the tap again which is like the laziest yeah. thing that you can do <laughs> with the scenario yeah you're right about that if it's, you think any agent who kills the guy would take the deal well i mean i think that i would kill him just because if you give me the opportunity to kill a demon, I'm going to say yes, because I'm the Doom Slayer. So, wait. <laughs> oh, good. Nice. I was going to say... Slayer. Nice. That was good. Uh, can you do that again? Uh, no, because now my jaw hurts. Yeah. <laughs> He's got law jaw. Oh, the other thing that, that is interesting, so if you, if you know, if the demon appears to you and you don't take his deal, because why would you? Um, you suffer every well, week. You might, you you might get a fiddle made of gold if you do. So, like, if you whatever agent wins this scenario is a death sentence because losing zero slash one d six sand per week is going to kill you pretty quickly in Delta Green, and that's kind of crappy. Wait, is he a devil or is he a demon? Is an important difference there. This this isn't this isn't D anD D. It's not like lawful versus chaotic. <laughs> is he a devil or a demon or a daemon? Well, is oh fuck. I'm going to look again just to make sure because I, I think that this one um, is pretty good. Um, yeah, so next is I think the last one, isn't it? Correct. So right. the the Pranasol... Someone else do it. Sodality. Pranasodality. It sounds okay. like the name of somebody's uh, donut steel Stellaris Empire. Yeah, no, that's accurate. So I uh, I didn't actually make it to this group. I was reading the Labyrinth in anticipation of 
this podcast recording and I didn't make it this far. So I'm going to need you guys to fill me in on it. Not, not only did Max make it this far, but he also physically went there. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, it sounds like uh, besides Kevin, I'm the one who, who has read this one the most closely. Um, so I'm going to help you guys out. Pranasodality is a uh, like new age, you know, like positive vibes movement that moved into an old, um, Titan missile silo in the fictional town of Stanton, Washington. Stanton, Washington is a mashup of a couple of real life communities in central Washington. It's a mashup of the geography of Lake Chelan and the backstory of, a, I think, a place called Hanford, which is an old plutonium refinery that was used to make uh, atomic bombs for the Manhattan Project. And so the, the town of Stanton is fucked up. It has always been fucked up. There's always been horrible things happening there. There was like a town there where, you know, people would like could do wild, do fucked up Wild West shit. There was a mine where um, Seattle has a long history of like the Wobblies getting into fights with, you know, capital and getting murdered. So that happened there, you know, like a bunch of miners got murdered for trying to labor organize. Um, there's a, there's several other things. There was, that a, happened there was like a in real life that happened in real life. It also happened in the scenario. Um, oh. Like, like there's, there's, there's like a, a, a whole series of, of killings of um, socialist or communist labor organizers that happened in Washington around that time period. Uh, then there's um, a monastery that, that like opened up. This, this is the fictional a monastery that opened up where um, the monks like the monastery got shot down, got shot down after the uh, the monks like raped and murdered a child. Um, there is um, like an old majestic twelve tilling gas radiator base there that they built to do illegal like research by cause it, cause um, Washington state has uh, Boeing, which is like one of the biggest weapons contractors for the, I think it's, I think by dollar amount, it might be the largest weapons contractor for the United States government. And so in the, in the Delta green world, um, they were involved with a lot of majestic, like space age alien technology aircraft projects. And so that they had like a lot of incidents with that where like dudes were disappearing and murdering each other and stuff. There was a, a in the fictional town of Stanton, there was a Titan missile silo where one of the dudes went crazy, killed the other guy and tried to launch the nuke. And they only just barely managed to kill him. And now, now the town of Stanton, Washington is infested with, um, you know, just your kind of typical, like stereotypical small town America, you know, high crime rate and opioids and stuff. Uh, but and but but then uh, there's a group of people who's doing a health study there because the old plutonium refinery in the mine have created a huge environmental disaster, and so they're tracking like who's got cancer, who's got ligma, et cetera, from this this mine and this plutonium. But um, they've got a file of unexplained items, like why are these people all fucked up? And it's because underneath the town is a bunch of loiger stones and for those of you who don't know a loiger is a type of monster that lives as a vortex or the vortex of energy inside rocks i do not like them i think that they are very frustrating from a design perspective from another from for a number of reasons but i think they main reason is that they're kind of a kitchen sink where just a bunch of elements that don't fit together were tossed but i think they are used very well in this scenario and the hook for how they became involved with this death cult or life cult as it may be is that the pronosodality found the old some kind of device in the um the missile silo or built it and by getting into the thing they're able to get lots of friendly vibes and what it actually is is it's the loigar that's supercharging them with its energy to make them into its cultists and this uh, is, a, is a concept that I actually wanted to do at one point, but didn't finish the scenario, which is that um, 
as written, the lawyer in the in the in the book itself, the lawyers uh, just make people sick. They make you they give you cancer. And they make you sad, and that doesn't really like make people worship them effectively, in my opinion. It, so in this it one, makes you sad if you don't worship them. If you so do worship it, them, it can heal you and stuff. At least that was my interpretation well, of it. That's that's the that's the one. That's what this one is about. And this one, if okay, you join the cult, you go to the friendly vibes machine, and the lawyer supercharges you, and you can feel the presence of another mind, which these fucking hippies are like oh it's the you know the cosmic um personality that's smiling on me so you said but, this is related to like uh opioid addiction in this town that this takes in because that that sounds like like they get a good first high of uh the lawyer injecting them with the feel-good vibes and then they're chasing that purple dragon from then on well so the cult has decided that there is only a finite amount of good vibes in the universe and they must start hoarding them carefully and exterminate those who do not value the friendly energies. So the agents got to go in and what have a vibe check. The scenario is this is the one that has a scenario associated with it. This one has a location. Oh, good. Lots of interesting details. I think it would have been nice if they put a bit more detail in the town. My main thing about this one is that I don't. So, so it, it it annoys me because there's a there's like a there's like one line that says for stats on lawyers, please look in the agent's hand. The excuse me, the handler's guide. It's like, well, no, that's what fucking Pathfinder would do. They'd say go check all these other books. I paid for this fucking scenario pack. Now give me the information. But um, I understand why they didn't do it because like it's like three or four pages because lawyers yeah. are one of the most bloated designs it'd, it'd in the be entire like game. Six if you had both lawyer stats in there. It's like six pages yeah. for real. Because they can become dinosaurs, and then the dinosaur has a, a separate stat block. But um, I honestly think this scenario works fine just without the lawyers even being in it, or just or with them just coming in through the resonator and just like through the diseases of the town. You don't actually have to have them in the scenario because the solidity works just fine by itself. So this this is a good one. I like this one, and I liked it so much that over the last weekend I went on a hike on Chelan Butte over the real life Lake Chelan, and I put the pictures in the Delta Green Facebook page because I thought it was a fun. Probably link them here too. Overall, prana, prana sodality, pretty good, I think. So I noticed there's a pretty good map on page 153. Yes, I did the map on page 153. Good I job, Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> it's also tucked into like one of the early pages underneath all the other random handouts. Uh, so, Max, I, I, so on, 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 the, on Kevin's map here, can you approximate about where you were when you went hiking? Um, is, it, is it that accurate or not? I don't have the map open in front of me, but uh, I mean, it, so accuracy is not really what we're talking about here because um, Kevin, you just use the the image of the lake itself. The the terrain that you put on there kind of has no bearing on the real life arrangement of the highways or the towns. That's uh, no, that's the real life terrain. Okay, okay, because I definitely did not see that highway cutting west across those sheer mountains when I was there. Yeah, no, Highway Forty Five is fictional, and uh, it, it would be a really fun drive if you ever wanted to drive it in real life. So. What's going on here is that this is a map of, of Lake Chelan, but uh, it's Stan- the town of Stanton, Washington, and a lot of the details about the town the developers put in are from a place called Hanford. We went over that. But um, basically where it was at is look at the bottom right corner of the lake, and I was a bit south of that. And you can see it in the pictures where the lake is. Okay, the lake is the one that's a little bit north of Highway 45? Well, Highway 45 is not real. Right, yeah, I'm saying like on the map, it's just north of that that little strip right there. That's the lake, or is the? I can't see what you're referring to. You're... Oh, I see the one that's referred to as Lake Jansen, but it looks more like a river. <laughs> you see where he's pointing? <laughs> Jesus, fucking boomers, all of you. Anyway, yeah, I would say out of all, uh, this is I feel like a little bit kind of the most interesting because you have a lot of ways to tie 
um, agents into this. You know, you could set another adventure around here, and the agents could, could have um, there are these shimmers that if you're cracked, you can see. So this is another cracked mechanic. So if agents are yeah, kind shimmers of based, are like ghosts. If agents are kind of like based out of this area, they can start to see shimmers and try to figure out what that is. Um, they could just deal with the violence, or they get try to get recruited up by the by the cult. So there's a lot you could do here. I, I like it, and there there is enough of a like a glancy style info dump that there's a bunch of there's enough here that you could you could run a scenario out of it. Was the other ones you need to tack on some more stuff here? I think there's basically enough, which is kind of what I wanted. So this is probably my favorite group. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like it. Um, one other thing that I will object to about this book is that there is a lot of recycled art. Not the maps, though. No, the maps are the, the new asset. The art is um, a lot of stuff that's been on the DG site for several years. Which is, you know, like, I understand that the, if, you have, paintings. if you have, if you have, if your artist is like one, this is the thing where um, if you want a cohesive art style, it basically means that you can only have art produced as fast as one dude can paint it. So I understand, but also like it's just like how um, the complex the cover was that picture of Princess Leia from like three years ago. So, like, I'm looking at it now on, like, page 178 of this. There's the the same art that appears, like, in Black Set. It's like the guy at the space thing with his uh, desiccated body there. Yep. So, uh, overall, I, think, I mean, I this book is solid. It's, it's, a, it's good material if you are looking for more fodder to throw at Delta Green. I think it's gripe, and, and I think the reason it comes comes out is because, you know, a part of a large Delta Green community that creates a lot of good user content. Like I, I feel like so we did a contest last year, last summer that was like a groups contest, like a mythos groups contest on Night of the Opera, and I feel like some of the things that came out of that uh, are just better than the things that are here. Um, I don't know that they're better, but I think there's a lot there that is much easier to just pick up and play. Well, yeah, so better isn't more usable. Maybe not as evocative and like fleshed out because these weren't edited. I mean, John Times did a great job writing it, and the editing is solid and it's good. It's well done. It's just like. I can pick up and drop some of these really cool groups into things uh, that that you know the, the royal we created. Some of the ones in the labyrinth are harder. So I, I I wish the labyrinth was more like the groups contest <laughs> entries and that kind of. But if the average like Delta Green reader doesn't have access to these groups, so I guess. Well, so mo- most of the groups contest entries though were at least a lot of them were um, designed with the advice from labyrinth in mind. Because labyrinth, labyrinth is lab. The whole point of labyrinth was like show progression, show reactivity, and that's what like a lot that. of did specifically it's, because they had been looking at the early drafts of the labyrinth book. It's like a style guide almost. Yeah, yeah, I, agree. Um, I just think it kind of takes away from like it be, because it paved the way for something else. It kind of takes away from its own thunder a little bit, which is a little too bad. But I quite, I quite. Um, so I'll, I'll just tell you guys. Um, when I first read this, I was very critical of it. But then, like literally the day after that, I f- was thinking about it all day because it's like um, there's a lot of. They would, this is similar to the thing where like the there's the you know the film The Ballad of Buster Scruggs was like this where I thought I hated it when I watched it, but then I couldn't stop thinking about it the day after, and it turned out that I actually liked it. Because Jake, I'll tell you this. Um, when I first saw No Country for Old Men, I hated it. Wow. I didn't think you could be any more wrong. <laughs> well, you know what they say, Max. Can't no man compel another man to engage in recreation. Especially on a son of a gun as ill-tempered as yourself. I also, when I first read this, or when I read the first draft, at least, was a lot more critical than I am now. Um, it's, you know, it's a solid source book. I, I would say I wish it had more, but it's also 184 pages, so it is what it is. I'm excited to see what, when they release. I believe they're releasing a set of adventures. That's going to be so, cool because yeah, I, I think really that might solve some of my problems with it. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. I wonder if we'll see any shotgun scenarios that use any of these groups. We already have. We already have seen some. Yeah. There's a CMC based one. Well, we probably shouldn't say too much more then. And, you know, uh, I've been critical about, you know, the Net of the Opera book from Delta Green was supposed to be new stuff and it was all old stuff. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to have another Delta Green book that is new stuff and not just old stuff. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's nice to have. Um, the thing that everyone agreed was missing from the, ha- the agent's handbook was some actual New antagonists. Threats. Yeah, because old Delta Green did a great job of lining those dudes up, and it's nice that this one is also doing that. I like that a lot. It's cool because a lot of them have uh, prevalence in modern-day events. Like the the Lonely is just a bunch of mass shooters waiting to happen, people getting radicalized online. That's something that dominates the headlines uh, nowadays. Oh, one other fun detail that kind of goes nowhere is that this this book has a lot of those. Um, I should have mentioned with the sewers is that they um, there's a there's a specific paragraph about how like a lot of incels have joined them because they think that it's cool to be trad, which is like yeah, <laughs> that's you know, that's I guess there's a certain logic to that, but like that doesn't seem like there's a lot of gameplay there. You know, it's like oh well, I'm Delta Green and I'm going to investigate like these posters on the internet. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's pretty funny, though, I guess. It's funny. I just searched incel, like, uh, control left it on the document, and it appears nine times in this. It's just such a funny concept to me that they use that. In the the thing games. is, though, is that, like, I do worry that a lot of this torn from the headline shit will just look incomprehensible or super dated, which, you know, that's what people, that's one of the reasons why people don't like the cult of transcendence, because it's, like, very much trying to snapshot a moment in time that's long past and was passed, like, even before the group was finished being writing. Or uh, Isis and Iconoclast. I disagree. I think that Iconoclast still can do it. Yeah, Isis was kind of a bigger deal than some of the other stuff. But are there any other ones that kind of got ripped from the headlines in Delta Green? I feel like there are. I feel like that is a really good discussion for another episode, though. Yeah, perhaps. 